0: That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: You need a CPA that you can trust with all your taxes and financial needs? Look no further than Joanne Flash Fleming at Fleming & Associates CPA. For more info, go to flashfleming.com. Or email Joanne directly at J O A N N F L E M I N G at FlashFleming.com. You're listening
2: to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org.
0: I'm Tim Gunn, author, educator, and Project Runway mentor, and you're listening to Heritage Radio.
3: Welcome to the second season of Magnifico Radio, the weekly podcast featuring conversations in ethical fashion, clean beauty, and sustainable living. I'm your host, Kate Black. And if you're listening live on the Heritage Radio Network, that means it's Monday at 1 o'clock and in Brooklyn. So welcome. And if you found us through iTunes or Stitcher, also welcome. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Each week, I sit down with designers, makers, and leaders in sustainability, all of them a force for change. The, this podcast is an extension of my blog magnifico.com and that's magnif eco Dot com and my book also called Magnifico your head to toe guide to ethical fashion and non toxic beauty and today I'm joined by social impact entrepreneur and co founder of the Global Fashion Exchange Patrick Duffy welcome
4: thank you it's so great to be here
3: it's so nice to see you and it's this nice you this show is being pre recorded so you've flown in and by the time we just
4: for you just <laughs> for you the eagle has landed
3: the eagle has landed <laughs> and then by the time this show goes live you and I will probably be hanging out in London
4: I hope so which I is hope. where you live now yes it is
3: i'm so glad you came okay so let's start where should we start let's start at the very beginning what is we oh just my god <laughs> well i just asked you before we started the show what do you what do you call yourself social impact um entrepreneur and then you said waste
4: management specialist so yeah.
3: why does that why why is that kind of your go-to party line of-
4: for, for the go-to line. well i you know um I have been to a lot of parties in my life, and I've actually thrown a lot of parties in my life, and um, I always, that's always a lead-in question, especially here in New York City. People, first of all, they first ask, where do you live, what do you do, and then generally the third question is, how much are you paying in rent? Um, (laughs) And so, just to kind of be a little bit comedic, I thought it'd be great to, and not to take anything away from the actual industry of waste management, but I thought it would be kind of fun to tell people that I do work in waste management, because technically, when you are, you know, swapping, exchanging or recycling or throwing a garment of clothing away, it is considered waste. And I would technically then be the manager of the new life of that waste. So (laughs) it's just an interesting and creative way to, uh, get more likes on Facebook, I don't know. That's
3: so awesome. And so so the Global Fashion Exchange is the largest kind of and and basically you're a party thrower, right? You throw these global
4: yeah.
3: fashion events in like in landmark locations mm-hmm. with a lot of celebrities. Like you're really trying to make clothes swapping and the idea of clothes swapping hip and fun and engaging so how did you get into it
4: yeah well that's an interesting story and i'll i'll back it up um so i used to own a restaurant and um in uh, new york city and there to make a really long story short i met this fantastic woman called ava cruz who um heads up uh the copenhagen um, fashion week and danish fashion institute and she is um quite passionate about sustainability herself. And a friend of mine brought her to my restaurant and um, we kind of started a social relationship together. And then I realized what a tour de force she was after getting to know her. And um, suddenly I found myself in Copenhagen. Um, She'd invited me to come and see some of the shows and see some of the things that she was doing. And some of the things that she... Were, some of the things that she had done were really impressive and the most impressive thing to me that she had organized was a large scale clothing swap um, in the city of Copenhagen for the Fashion Week and so after chatting with her um, we kind of decided at that point that it would be a really great communication tool and, um, fun and interesting and new way to really engage people in the idea of, of sustainability and swapping clothes and, you know, that, that kind of thing. So taking all of my experience from New York city and as I mentioned before, throwing parties and creating cultural <coughs> events, we kind of came together and decided that that's what it was going to be. It was a really fun and non, um, non-threatening and and an easy way for people to participate in the idea. And we did our first one and it was a huge success. So
3: where was the first one?
4: The first one was in Copenhagen in in, in partnership with, uh, the Danish fashion Institute and Copenhagen fashion week. And, um, it was beautiful. It was outside, uh, in city hall square. And I will just never forget seeing maybe 1500 people lined up with massive bags of clothing, <clears throat> standing in line, which I think is a very Danish thing, <laughs> you know, it's completely like, you know, it's just standing in line, which I don't think whatever, we didn't think whatever happened anyplace else, but it ended up happening in other, other cities that we did it in. And, um, and people got so excited about it. And there was music and there was, you know, beverages, and there was all this really fun stuff happening in a, in a, in the center of, of their town. And, It was at that point that we just kind of realized that this was going to be something that was going to be really fun. We're not really reinventing the wheel. We're not really doing anything new or exciting. We're taking something that's already been existing out there and that we know that people have a passion for and turning it into something... um, you know uh, that we can get people subscribed to. So,
3: but not everybody has a passion for it, right? Like, have you have you discovered that certain cultures or certain countries are have a more of an affinity to it, or is it certain ages? Because I know that, like, when we talk about swapping, so what is swapping for people who have just heard about it for the first time at, in this conversation?
4: Yeah, swapping is. <coughs> excuse me, I, have, I must have a cold. Um, swapping is essentially where you go to your closet, and the statistic is an interesting one for those who are first time subscribers to this conversation. Um, about 30% of your clothes of your closet goes unused. So if you go into your closet and you look and you say, 30% of that I really don't wear anymore, some people more, some people less, <clears throat> we've kind of turned that into that into our currency. So we take that currency and then we put, turn it into um, an event. And that event is what's called a clothing swap. So <clears throat> what the swap is, is people, um, we take all this clothing, our currency, and then we create a beautiful kind of merchandise store experience with it so people can come in and find or discover something new, or, or a, a gift, or something for themselves. So they or and extending the life of a garment that um, they that may not actually have interest to them anymore. So
3: and no money changes hands. So people no. bring what they're not wearing. They come, they shop what other people aren't wearing, and then they go home.
4: Yes, exactly. No money changes hands. That's a very interesting concept too. Because we're so driven by the dollar, and so driven by the value of the dollar, and so driven by <clears throat> how much does this garment cost, and even you know companies ascribing a value to a garment or brands ascribing a value to this coat, we're so trained <clears throat> to think um, to think about that that this really kind of turned that model upside down, and it was interesting to see because we were we were doing them and and. Um, we were doing them in cities all over the world, and we have some pretty influential and amazing people that came on board to support. It was amazing to see people wake up and people really say, oh, this is actually really something interesting and, and something that I don't necessarily feel so tied into the current model of having to go by and... Um, <clears throat> and discard and buy and discard and kind of falling into that, that fashion model. So it was really amazing to see people wake up. and
3: and even just to kind of recognize that the clothing that doesn't have the clothing that you're not wearing has no value so it doesn't matter if (laughs) if you if you spent x number of dollars on it at one point or if it carries the label of you know a renowned designer Mm -hmm. you're not wearing it there's no value to it in your closet Mm -hmm. so um because i remember the one that we that i went to in new york and somebody had said to me i know but what if i bring something that's more expensive than what i'm going to swap for and and so that's what i said to her i was like but you're not wearing it. So what you're, what you're swapping for will have value, Mm -hmm. not monetary and not, you know, not maybe something that you can calculate. So I think it's trying to get people to rethink about what it is they're looking for clothes that they can wear.
4: Yeah. That's a really interesting point. And actually I've never thought of it that way that you don't, that it doesn't have value if you're not wearing it. And we, I heard that a lot too. The other thing that we heard a lot was, um, people were were concerned that there was going to be stealing that would be <laughs> happening at a swap. And then we had to explain to them, well, you actually can't really steal at a swap. So that it was interesting, though, that people, are we've been so trained and it's so ingrained in us. And that's what's been the fun challenge with us, is, is the reversal of that. And reversal of that with people like you and me, people like sitting here at Roberta's in Brooklyn or people like at LVMH or Caring or whatever it is. It's just it's just such a great empowering thing to be able to start to reverse that. Because then when you see them wake up to it, then that's when they start to create the change in their own communities too. And I think that's that's what we're really trying to do with Global Fashion Exchange is not, <clears throat> not necessarily own a space or be the biggest, but to create <clears throat> the the awareness so people can actually, you know, kind of, do something with that. So,
3: And has it created like kind of sub exchanges? Like have you seen some sort of social media or some communities in cities? So where have you had the global ones? We've, had-
4: we've done them in Copenhagen, uh, New York, Los Angeles, and Melbourne. Somewhere.
3: And so do do other kind of other events spring up after you've come or after people have had that experience with GFX? Like do you see kind of sub sub-swaps happening?
4: We do see sub-swaps and we also see a lot of positive um, energy and we see a lot of positive uh, influence and and attention towards the subject and people really want to get involved. And so that's great. So what I've actually done a lot of is advising people on how to conduct their own swap, whether it's a global fashion exchange swap or not. It doesn't necessarily have to be GFX branded, um, although we would love that. But the idea, again, for us is kind of creating that movement, that swapper movement and getting people excited about that.
3: Well, and you so, do, you do such a good job because you're, you. you you can tell that you're a party planner at heart because <laughs> it's always like top-notch locations. The one here in New York was at Madison Square Gardens. There's always some celebs kind of circling around like there's and then you bring in clothing. So tell me how you bring in retailers or how you kind of how you Change up what's on offer at the swap because you also partner with brands, right?
4: Sure, yes. We have, um, we do our first swap that we did in, uh, our first American swap that we did in um, Los Angeles was exciting. It was at, um, the Kodak Theater where they do the red carpet arrivals for the Oscars and that kind of thing. And we partnered with H&M <clears throat> and what was exciting about that is that they allowed us to tell a story about sustainability that wasn't necessarily through the lens of their brand um, which was great because sometimes when you work with brands they really want things to be told through their lens and that's sometimes what happens when you are working with sponsorships. Um, is you kind of have to adhere to that. So we worked with H&M and Ford which was incredible and they kind of gave us the freedom to be able to tell an authentic story and unfortunately Ford did not see the swap with any cars um, H&M did <laughs> I would have gotten one <laughs> I'm just kidding um, I would have loved to have one um, what was I going to say uh, H&M did give us some of their clothing um, to promote their sustainable collection um, through the swap which I think is great because then um, for a big brand like H&M who's trying you know, really hard um, amidst their own <clears throat> set of challenges to get people to understand that they're t- you know, taking steps to To be a more sustainable and ethical brand, um, they allowed us to help them communicate the story through our swap. So, yes.
3: And then what happens with the leftovers?
4: The leftovers—that's. This is where the waste management. This is where the waste management comes in. (laughs) in. Um, It's interesting. So we, you know, we we've partnered with um, a large textile recycler called Ico. Jennifer Gilbert, who's been so wonderful and so supportive of us, Um, and if there are items of clothing left, basically what we do is we take them to um, Ico, and Ico then recycles them and turns them into different types of. Uh, materials, architectural materials, building materials, new clothing materials, ne- new textiles, that kind of stuff. So we d- really do close the loop, <clears throat> which is great. But um, generally, we don't really find a lot of stuff that's left over, um, which is exciting, too, because, um, you know, we don't want to become we want we want to give things a new life. If that means being recycled and turned to new fabric, New York, that's great too. But it's just, it's kind of amazing to see a space fill up with clothing and then all get taken away <clears throat> at the end of the day. Um, you talked about the one that you came to in New York, which was so special. That was in collaboration with an incredible girl called Heidi Lindgren, um, who organized something called. Um, impact garden and that was uh at the madison square garden and that was really one of my most favorite events that we've done so far to have to have worked with her and her team and to be able to utilize that space i think is something that really talks about the what we're doing and you know these clothing swaps tip clothing swaps typically are seen in like someone's home or, you know, a little space somewhere that people don't, isn't really highly trafficked, but to have such a monumental space like the Madison Square Gardens is kind of like a stamp of approval in many ways. For me, it's about um, what we, that we have to think about this. This isn't, this is right in front of our faces. This is something that we really need to think about and talk about. So that out of all the events that we've done, I'm so thankful and grateful to her and all the other collaborators that we had on board with that and the other sustainable brands that were involved because we really, it was kind of a game changer for us. It, and
3: it was <laughs> such a great event, too, because, and that's where we, you and I met yeah. um, Vogue Italia. Yes,
4: Bernadette. And it, uh, yeah. yeah, and yeah. it was
3: because it was so beautifully curated and it, I th- it was her first swap. And so it was her opportunity to kind of see it in a new light. <laughs> and then she wrote this lovely article yeah. and you and I appeared together yeah. in Vogue Italia, it's which great. is very nice. Um, okay, we're going to take a break and we're going to come right back okay. after this short message. Oh,
1: great, great. Are you filing your own taxes and driving yourself crazy? Do you think a professional can do a better job of finding legal deductions? Do you own a business and need help with the accounting and taxes? Are you a not-for-profit business that needs financial guidance? Are you just plain tired of your boring accountant and looking for some fresh eyes? Try Fleming & Associates CPA. At Fleming & Associates, Joanne Flash Fleming can quantify anything in a flash. She'll do your taxes, assess your worth, and is even a forensic accountant an investigator of white-collar crime. Joanne Fleming once said, It was terribly hard for me to read Moby Dick, but put a financial statement or tax return in front of me, it's like a novel. Imagine that. Has the political and financial news got you feeling down? Joanne Fleming was the accountant for the Occupy Wall Street movement back in 2010. Who better to trust with your financial secrets? For more info, go to flashfleming.com or email Joanne directly. J O A N N F L E M I N G at Flash Fleming dot com.
3: And we're back. You're listening to Magnifico Radio, and I'm your host, Kate Black, and I'm sitting here with Patrick Duffy of the Global Fashion Exchange. Hey, yo. <laughs> so, I did um, at the new year, I invited 10 global fashion leaders to tell me what their pledge would be for this year. Because I had this idea that people like you and Eva is also included. Um, we spend our entire lives working, like our work and, and our social lives are kind of entwined in this sustainability um, movement. And I wanted to know what we could do even more. So yeah, these really ten- smart,
4: really amazing. Oh thanks. And so thank it, you for including me. That's such a huge, honor. It's it was, a huge honor. It was
3: really fun and the idea was to spark to spark other people to make change as well. So now that you're a few weeks in, you had pledged. Tell me tell everybody what you pledged and why you pledged in.
4: I pledged to no no longer use water bottles. And at the time <laughs> when you sent me the idea, I thought Well, what's something that I can do? And I thought, as I was drinking out of a bottle of water, I thought, you know what? I can do this. I'll just, no more bottles of water. And then, of course, the statistics are awful and what it's doing to the environment. I thought, this is going to be so easy. You know, just get yourself a little canister and you'll be fine. Wow. That is the most unbelievable wake-up call that I've had in a long time because water bottles are, first of all, everywhere everywhere. Everybody uses them whether they're plastic or glass or whatever the deal is but I personally use I didn't realize how, how much I was actually using them I'm a fitness enthusiast so I'm always exercising and'm so that means I'm always drinking water yeah. and you know waking up in the middle of the night I'm always drinking all that kinds of stuff and it was just every single time that I you know didn't have my little canister accessible or available to me a I kind of kicked into a little bit of a panic attack. <laughs> what am I going to do? Because the first natural thing that you, oh, can I just have a bottle of water? That's the first natural thing. But I really had to be extremely conscious of it. Now, a couple weeks into it, it's obviously gotten a lot easier because I you know, carry one with me or you know whatever the deal is. But it certainly has been a huge challenge. And I have to thank you for really opening my eyes to that because it's something that not just me, but everybody else in the world who uses plastic bottles or bottles of water participates in. And it's really kind of, it's really scary. It's really scary. Yeah. I think,
3: I think that that's why, cause I did a similar pledge. So I yeah. pledged um, and I had the same thing like a couple of weeks <laughs> in and I was like, Oh, I picked a hard one. Cause I said I would do use no more single use items. Um. So no more napkins, no more plastic cutlery, no more like Starbucks cups. So in my bag, I have a water bottle and a coffee bottle and some cutlery and a napkin.
4: Oh, wow. So now
3: my, my weight is increased a little bit, but I couldn't, I couldn't not do it. I had um, Lauren Singer. I don't know if you know her. She's a, um, a huge trash-free um, advocate on an earlier episode. And she just so inspired me because I thought, you know what, I, could just, I just need to change and need to make a behavioral change. And water has been the hardest one because you realize how much society has shifted there's no water fountains anymore. Like it's Mm-mm. really hard. Ho- we're in it. We're in this conundrum where making change is really problematic, and it's water. It's
4: water. Yeah. Did you? There. There was. Um. I can't remember the name of the book, and I am so sorry for not. But there was a book that came out recently, and I just read a couple lines of it. But it really did make me think about the value that we place on water through the purchase of a bottle of Evian. Like we're, it's, it's the, the magnitude of how much money we're spending on the branding or just the plastic bottle or how it got to, but you know, on this free resource is really crazy. I mean, you, when you think of it in terms of that as well, not just the waste that it creates, but you're right. There's no water, clean water isn't even available to us really and we live in New York City, London, Minneapolis, wherever it is that we live like we can't just stop and get clean water. So it's really it's really kind of screwed up.
3: Yeah, I in think a way. so. I think so too. Like obviously when you travel cuz you travel a mm-hmm. lot. So when you go to India, you'll have to you'll have to take yeah. a little step away from your pledge, but mm-hmm. when we're in urbanized centers in the West yeah. cuz you live in London now, so mm-hmm. you should is it hard to find available tap water?
4: Yeah, absolutely. In the public. Yeah, and and that's the other thing. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing is I need to do a little bit more due diligence in London, but every city is different and you never know where where it's safe to drink the tap water. So, I mean, I'm certainly not excited about drinking tap water in India. (laughs) I'm certainly not, you know, but... So yeah, you're, it's not an it's not an easy task, and I'm I just wonder was it ever an easy task? Like, was tap water is it, was it always drinkable in all these places that we were, you know? Or is this just something that's new to me because I'm now taking this pledge to not? Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah
3: so i mean i think i think we just need to put pressure i know (laughs) like and i think we need to put pressure back on um locations particularly the airport Mm -hmm. like think of all the places where there's so much waste if you forget if you're if you're a plastic water bottle holder and you're going through security you got to pitch there rebuy on the other side like your consumption rates are increased i did a couple trips to singapore this year yeah and it's long it's the longest flight of my life yep. um, so I take a water bottle with me on the flight because I like to drink a lot mm-hmm. in the water and in, in both times I stopped in two different cities um, I stopped once in Beijing and once in Guangzhou and in both cases there are water fountains with both hot and cold water oh, available great. for all passengers that's
4: great so before you, you get on the plane
3: no after you've gone through security oh, after in the security the, yes. okay. so you can you can top up your own bottle for that's tea great. or for water mm. and I thought why don't we have this anymore more and we used to we used to have water fountains in schools and everything yep. else so um so are you going to be able to but do, do you,
4: let me ask you do you okay. think that comes down to commodification purposes? Do yes you, i think so too yeah which is crazy and i think yeah. that
3: like like you've discovered and i discovered too with it, like cutlery especially like yeah. I've, I've come across a few times where i didn't have my cutlery with me and i was like okay i'm not gonna eat Eat now, yeah um, because i because yeah. i 'm so used like we 're just so used to the convenience, so to re rewire that about ourselves or to just even ask i 'm sorry, could do you have like silverware instead of plastic cutlery, I think we need to go back to breaking that convenience chain and then asking, do you yep. have a water fountain? Can you top this up? I've, I've had lots of luck mm-hmm. of topping it up because I don't trust water fountains because I don't think they're used enough in yep. New York City. Yep. Um, so I'm always hesitant or which about... which ones
4: are for dogs and which <laughs> ones are for humans, but then why you shouldn't feed your dog poor water either.
3: Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so now I, like, I'll ask restaurants or yeah. I'll ask Starbucks, can you also fill up my water bottle? Yeah. And
4: Convenience is a really interesting word, I think, because we are a, such a culture that focused on that and that's going back to global fashion exchange too we focus on that as well and fast fashion and the convenience I think that word in and of itself is the root for a a lot of the terrible things that are happening that we can change and that we can um, but what's interesting what you say that I really love is is the behavioral modification however I think that's scary for people I think that they they love convenience and they're not willing to give convenience up you know what will that change when they start to see um, water not being available at all? Like, and when does that happen? You know, so it's an inter- it's really interesting when you talk about that, and I feel like it's something a, a big subject that we really need to talk about more. And I, I really again applaud you and commend you for taking to for introducing those challenges because even though the ten people that you selected. Are, we're thinking about it all the time, it's still something that's extremely challenging, even to us, as it's still a part of what we're doing on a, a daily basis, you know? So. Yeah, I, it got us I, out of I, yeah. our kind of our comfort yeah, zone. Yeah, yeah.
3: And I think but I think the ch- 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 like challenges and pledging and change is difficult for everybody. And I think what I think the number one thing is that it can't be a zero sum game. It can't be all or nothing. Mm. Right? Like you're going to go to India this year and you're going to have to drink bottled water. Mm. So so what but but making small changes or making small changes when you can I think is how we're going to just move the needle forward on all of our projects. Mm-hmm. Like let's not let's not expect everybody to get it or stop, you know, stop fast fashion consumption 100%. How -hmm. about you just stop, you know, one-tenth or, Mm -hmm. you know, every every 10 trips that you would go to a fast fashion shop, now you go to a thrift shop Mm -hmm. or, you know, just like one small little move of the needle just Mm -hmm. to see what that could do for you. And then what that says to you, because that's like, as we said earlier, that's been my favorite part about this challenge is realizing how much of a crutch, like how... Without thought and without being mindful, I am contributing to the plastic waste
4: of the world. I mean, that's so interesting and impressive to me that you carry your own cutlery because that's something that i just would never think about because i've subscribed to the convenience factor like when i go to whole foods there's the biodegradable you know single-use plastics or the, there's the biodegradable containers and so even in the convenience like we've been conditioned this can still be convenient because it's biodegradable but is it really biodegradable that's my question you know, <laughs> this piece of corn plastic is it really going to break down i mean i don't know
3: but anybody who lives near a Japanese or a Korean or any sort of Asian store can just pop in they have the most amazing cute little sets okay. of like chop minor chopsticks on one end and a fork and a spoon on the other okay. so i I can eat a a variety of <laughs> foods um but it's it's kind of it's kind of easy and I don't know i think I think we don't. They're hard to find, but once you find all the tools that you need, then it just becomes easier. And again, I was inspired by Lauren, who's had her entire trash that she's created in, I think, four years in one mason jar. Mm. Like, so that... I mean, that's so amazing, I know. So we it's I think it's totally doable to reduce.
4: You know, we were talking a little bit before the radio interview about something that Vanessa Friedman had said at um, a- Ava's conference um, about making sustainability sexy. And that that has just like been tattooed and imprinted on my heart. And I feel like that's something that's going to have to happen with this type of with this type of thinking, you know, going to the store to get your cutlery people think of it now as like, well, why would I do that? But if there's some type of, um, you know, I hate to say it, but spin or marketing or some type of you know, sexiness that's attached to it, it can be a, an easy change in a way. And so I think we have to really start thinking about how are we going to make the choice to be conscious and ethical sexy (laughs) like how is that i agree you know what i mean i agree
3: and that's why i love like i i love the events that you throw because you invite models and actresses and um and i'm trying to do that with eco sessions too as well like just kind of not make it inaccessible but Mm. to try and show that all people in all kind of different classes are are making these changes so that so that you can i mean we're just so driven by Um, celebrity culture at the moment Mm -hmm. that we need to kind of show celebrity Mm -hmm. in this movement, I feel like. So not to, not to kind of prioritize celebrity over anything, but to just kind of put also a celebrity face Mm -hmm. in this movement.
4: You had um, Brita Wool. Do yeah. something with you recently, correct? And she
3: will, she came to our eco sessions in L.A.
4: She's so wonderful. She she's is. so great.
3: You introduced us. I,
4: <laughs> <laughs> she's um not, that's not why she's wonderful, but I'm kidding. Um, but she's abs- absolutely incredible, and um we hope to work with a lot more with her in the future, and I hope you do as well. But I think that people like her in Hollywood are few and far between in a way and i hope that i hope that that changes too and she's such an incredible voice and an incredible um person to be able to do that and like and marry the two yeah you know look fantastic like on red carpets she's wearing vintage or red carpet you know re- she's wearing reworked and that kind of stuff and i just think that's another thing when we're looking at you know single-use cutlery well people are doing single-use couture Uh, gowns (laughs) you know it's like 195,000 hours and like 50 million people to make this one gown and you're wearing it once it's just I don't know I mean I know, that's a
3: whole other show yeah so glad that you show. came thank, thank you, you so much for joining me so when people want to learn more about the global fashion exchange or learn more about well, where and how to or how to get involved what where can they sure. find you
4: um well we are on Instagram that's one of our, our big tools for communication so it's uh at uh, global fashion exchange and global but fashion x
3: exchange I'm right sorry.
4: Gf what is it global f- no G, yes, GFXchange, excuse okay. me. And there's, of course, the website, um, globalfashionexchange.com. So we're looking for new partners, new cities, people to get involved, people to write stories for our new magazine, um, which we love working. We love taking your stories and putting them out to our community. So thank you for doing such great stories.
1: Not a problem.
3: And I'm on your Insta now, and it's actually Global Fashion Exchange. I should
4: know that. Thank you.
3: No, it's fine. Okay, so make sure you follow them. Oh, Stella McCartney. We had a party yes, with Stella McCartney. We were
4: yes, I, not one that I well, not one that I threw, but um, I actually have a. I'm excited to to say real quickly. I'm, I've now moved to London to work with one of the most unbelievable women I've ever met in my life, um, called Tamsin Lejeune, and she has something called Ethical Fashion Forum, and um, we're launching a new platform. Can't say too much about it, but it'll be a sourcing platform to hopefully bring all of these ideas that we've talked about together to life in a very easy. Um, format that you can't uh, say no to. And so we were at an event with um, her and our chairman. I think also in that photograph is this wonderful gentleman who's our chairman, Harold Tillman, <clears throat> who's incredible. And uh, it was at a talk about sustainability uh, with London College of Fashion and what she has done in order to make uh, fashion uh, ethical fashion sexy. And she's done such an unbelievable job. And it's just incredible to hear her talk about Every single detail that she's been super conscious about from the sourcing to the fabrication to throwing out entire not throwing out but throwing out ideas because they may look really pretty but it doesn't adhere to the model that she wants to adhere to and for somebody like her to be doing that in this industry I hope that we can have a lot more people like her.
3: Oh, me too. I hope so. I mean, how can I keep asking, you know, listeners and consumers and people who come to eco sessions to make change if we don't have industry like going at yeah. Breakneck speed to provide us with products that have changed. Yeah. Okay, so we'll have you back when you can okay. talk more okay, about that. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank um, so I want to. to oh, it's lovely to see you. Thank, Thank you, you so much for coming. Thank you to the Heritage Radio Network, which has lots of great indie programs about food and the planet. You can find Magnifico Radio and all the other shows at heritageradio.org. I hope you visit magnifico.com and sign up for our newsletter. And if you have any feedback, questions, want to be a sponsor, recommend a guest, please email me at radio at Magnifico.com. Until next week.
2: Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.